Good morning. I'm going to read a few lyrics to the song, and I'm going to allow you to fill in the blanks with me this morning, okay? So let's see if we can do this. Over the river and through the... To grandmother's... We go. The horse knows a way to carry the... Very good. Through the white and drifted... Oh, over the river and through the woods... Oh, how the wind does blow. It stings the nose, be careful now, and bites the toes as over the ground we go. I'll pause for a second, Bird. This is one cold trip. Okay, did you catch that? Okay, this is where it gets tough. Over the river and through the woods, trot fast my... I knew you were going to do it. Thank you, Kathy. Dapple gray. Everybody's like, I don't know. Dapple gray, which is a horse, yeah. Spring over the ground like a... She's going she's gonna to nail this for us the rest of the way. Here we go. On this Thanksgiving day, hey, over the river, through the woods, now grandmother's face I spy. Hooray for the fun is the... Oh, no. Now, there could be a couple translations here, but this is the poem I got. Is the... Anybody? Pudding done. Hooray for the... You can nail this one. Ready for the pumpkin pie. There we go. Very good. Very good. Now, everybody's going to get that first one, right? Because we all sing it, then we all sort of like trail off. And we forget that last part. Watermelon, watermelon. Okay. Um, hooray for the pumpkin pie. And I, I was thinking through this. Alternatively known as Over the River and Through the Woods, this song is actually a Thanksgiving song um, written by Lydia Marie Child. And originally, it was a poem called A Boy's Thanksgiving Day. But we often mistake it for a Christmas song. But it was a Thanksgiving song. Now, I like this poem slash song, whatever you want to call it, okay? I like it for a couple reasons, and so I bring it up this morning to share with you why. I enjoy it because it reminds me that Thanksgiving is a journey. Thanksgiving is a journey. Now, everybody, uh, except for you know, the younger kids, you can think about what you want to think about right now, okay? But for the rest of us as adults, I want you to think back to when you were a kid. What was Thanksgiving like? What memories conjure up as Thanksgiving Day comes? What was it like for you? As a child, here's the deal. All I knew was this. I woke up on Thanksgiving Day. I'd come downstairs in my pajamas. I got to wear my pajamas a little bit longer on Thanksgiving Day. Had breakfast, but I'm sitting there with breakfast, and the kitchen already has the aroma of Thanksgiving happening. Mom's just baking away. Things are being cooked. It's, it's incredible, okay? The feast is being ready to be prepared, and then I just change. Family comes over. We eat. We hang out. We play games. We watch football. We play football. We play basketball. We just, we just have fun family time. Okay? That's childhood memories of Thanksgiving. Okay? Now, what I didn't realize was that there was an incredible amount of preparation taking place before all of that. Because through the eyes of a child, it was just wake up, be lazy, have fun, be with my family, eat turkey, all that kind of stuff, right? But there were all kinds of things taking place prior to that. There was a sort of a pre-meal preparation of work, okay? Something I didn't know about. For some reason, I just thought you showed up and ate. Well, I realized there's more. And some of you, some, some of the men in here right now are saying, there's more? Right. Yes, there's, there's more. As I grew up, I discovered there was chores that needed to be done outside on Thanksgiving Day, just like any other day of the week. And I quickly got introduced to those. And I found out then there's also cleaning of the house that needed to take place. And then there's table preparations, moving of chairs and tables. 
And then there's food preparation that needed help, and mom needed help with that, and dads needed help with chores. And all of a sudden I discovered there's a lot of arranging and prepar uh, preparation and work going on for Thanksgiving. I didn't realize that. And I still try to get off at some of it now. Just got the eye. Yes, you do. But did you know that our faith is very similar? Uh, our faith in God, our relationship with the Savior of this world, my Christian beliefs is very somewhat similar to this Thanksgiving preparation. And let me explain this if I can, okay? Um, I thought on Sundays, again, growing up, I thought on Sundays all you do is just sort of show up at church. Just arrive, show up and feast on whatever the pastor's preaching on and the, the choir's singing or the, uh, the worship leader's leading. But as I grew older, I realized there was more. Uh, for instance, one area of my faith is Sunday mornings. And I discovered, now as a pastor, you know, the pastor prepares in advance for what God's laid on his heart to share with the, with the church. The choirs rehearsed, the organists prepared, the teachers and the children's classes, they're all doing things ahead of time and preparing for what's going on. Uh, the janitor of our church makes sure the church was cleaned and so forth and so on. There's all kinds of preparation that took place on Sunday mornings. Again, as a child, I just showed up. As I got older, I realized there's a lot of stuff happening before all that takes place so we can enjoy that feast. And today, it's no different. Today, there's different, we've got four different setup teams. They rotate every month in and out. And they come and they set up the chairs and they set up the classrooms and they set up signs. They're driving out, putting signs out on the road. The worship team's here early, running through songs, practicing, making sure they're set, checking the sound. What can we do with the sound in this building? It's crazy because the acoustics are, are horrible. So they're trying to do what they can to prepare and pastors preparing and children's classes are getting ready. Teachers are back there. I realize there's a lot going on. So here's my point. There's work to be done before we give thanks. A lot of times we just like to hop into it. Let's just give thanks. Let's give thanks. We forgot there was a lot of work that had to be done in preparation to give thanks. There's a lot of things that took place before we ever sat down and just cut the turkey or before we sat down and listened to a sermon. So as you journey here this morning, know this, much was done in preparation so that we could all give thanks this morning, so that we could all gather here this morning and praise our one and only true Lord, our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So someone got this morning made the meal so you could feast. So I hope you enjoy that, and I hope you can give thanks for that. That's the way it runs every Sunday, just like every holiday. And for you moms that are always cooking at home and people just show up at the table to eat, they've sort of forgot about all the time you put into it. So for all of you that just sort of show up at the table and there was food there, there's a lot of work and preparation so that you could feast. So therefore, we step back and we say, thank you. Thank you, God, for all that you've done so that we can honor you. Now we're here as a church family this morning, gathered to worship, and I want to emphasize family this morning. As we head into Thanksgiving this week, um, I just want to emphasize that one word, family. So would you do me a favor, look at somebody near you, and if you're, if you're by yourself, definitely scoot over or something so you can make sure you tell somebody this, but look at them and say, family is good. Go ahead and tell them that. I don't think we'd argue with that. But here's the deal. Because this morning we are family. We're a church family. Whether you're visiting, this is your first time here, okay? Welcome. Glad you're here visiting our church today. Whether you haven't been here in a while, you're back. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Whether you come here every Sunday, 
welcome. We're glad you're back again that we didn't do something to frustrate you last week, okay? But like any family, we have misunderstandings, right? We have frustrations with one another at times. There's certain things we don't like. I didn't like the way you dressed today. I didn't like what you had to say to me. You know, there's certain things we do at family. Sometimes it happens in church, too. You want to know why? Because we're family. And that happens. I wish I could give you some kind of scientific um, equation. I wish I could give you some theological, spiritual revolution of why it is that way. It just is. That's family. So as family, we work together to accomplish good things as a church, right? We may eat together, some of us. We may laugh together. We pray together. Um, We may avoid each other at times because something happened and I don't want to talk to them today, okay? We collectively bring our offerings and give together. Sometimes we want that independence. I've had enough family for the day. I need need my alone time. That's the way family runs, inside the church and outside the church. So today I'd like to simply encourage you from God's word to understand this. We are a family. And as a family, we need to give thanks to God. It's really simple this morning. Okay? Two simple things I want you to know. And this past fall, I think this is when it really hit me. It was a couple months ago. We had a church um, building committee meeting. And as the committee got together to talk about plans for the next stage for what we're going to do as a church, I walked out of the building that night and just, it was like God said, hello, Rex, wake up. And, and, and this is what I, I felt God saying to me. Rex, this is your church family. This is your church family. This isn't your mom and dad's church anymore. This is your family. This is your church. Because see, growing up, mom and dad took care of everything. If we needed a new church building, mom and dad paid for it. You know, or they, they, they attended the meetings. They did this. They did that. They, and I just went along for the ride. And a lot of times in a church, that's what we do. We go along for the ride. We just show up Sunday morning or we just show up here or there and we just go along for the ride. We just want to be blessed and be fed. And God said, Rex, this is your church family. This is your church. This is not your mom and dad's church. This is your church. Would you tell the people that? And I felt I need to tell you that this morning. This is your church. This is not your mom and dad's church. This isn't your grandma and grandpa's church. This is your church. What you do with this church will determine where this church goes. How you support this church, how you serve in this church, how you love one another, how you pray with each other, how you encourage each other. When you show up on Sunday morning, not just to sing, but to shake hands with somebody and pray with them. That determines where we go as a church. This is your church. And we're family. And if you don't like something in your family, you step up. Well, Grandma used to do that. Well, when Grandma's not here anymore, who's going to do it? I guess we will do it now, right? Well, we used to meet at so-and-so's house, but well, they're not here anymore, so whose house are we going to meet at now? Somebody in the family steps up and says, we'll do it. So this is our church family. And I just really felt heavy that God say, yeah, share that. So if I wanted something to be done, guess what? I must serve. Instead of somebody ought to, I will. Well, we need this. I'll do it. If I want to build a building in church, I have to give. If I want spiritual growth to take place in this church, I must participate. Well, I wish we, we prayed more. What are you doing about it? Well, I'm just telling you. Telling me does nothing. You stepping up and praying more and gathering people around to pray, that does something. That's what family does. That's what family should do, right? This is our church. Now, just like I have a role in my family, whether it was setting the table, going, doing the chores, 
helping mom with this or dad with that. I had a role. I had stuff I had to do. So as a church family, you have a role too. And I want to remind you that this morning as well. You're part of a church family, and that's an awesome thing. We church shopped in between churches for about a, a month of, I don't know, a year or two, and it was not fun. You know, we went from the church to this church, and, and I felt like I was shopping, trying to figure out which one fits my needs the best, you know. Um, it was not a fun time. What I found out is when you have a church family, people that you know are going to pray for you, and you're going to pray for them, you're going to serve together, you're going to worship together, that's a good feeling. It's, a, it's, it's the right thing. And so we have a church. This is our church. This is your family. So you can actually look at each other and smile, knowing that sometimes family, you know, we mess up, right? Sometimes family does things we don't agree with, but we still love family. And we still gather together. So we come this morning to do that. That's what families do. They serve together. They love together. And guess what else we do? We give thanks together. We give thanks together. So this morning as a church family, if you're not feeling all family-like, hang in there. Engage yourself. I pray that you understand and know truth that you are loved by the God of this universe, our Abba Father. And he calls us his children. And as children, we come in together as a church family and we worship. And we give thanks. With that being said, Open up your Bibles to the New Testament. Second Thessalonians, that's in the back of the New Testament. Past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those Gospels. Get past Acts and Romans. First and Second Corinthians, get past that. Keep going past all those small books. When you get to Second Thessalonians, go to chapter 1. Verse 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, we always thank God for you as it is right. For we are thankful that your faith is flourishing and you are all growing in love for each other. I love when Paul starts this out to Thessalonica and says to this church family, he goes, hey, you know what? Here's the first thing I want to say to you. Dear brothers and sisters, hint, hint, we're family. Here's the first thing I want to tell you, family. I'm excited to talk to you today because I see you're growing. I'm excited to write to you today and say, I see you're flourishing. And I thank God for that. Paul was so excited to see a church family's faith growing, and it's growing because they're loving one another. And Paul says the results of all of this growth and this love is thanksgiving. I want to thank God for what I'm seeing. I want to thank God for what is happening right now. This is my church family, and can we say that today? Can we, can we step back and say, man, it's good to serve together. It's good to love together. It's good to pray for one another. When you get those emails from Rhonda and she says, hey, let's be praying for these people. As a church family, we sit there and say, that's my brother, that's my sister, that's hurting right now. I'm just going to stop and pause and pray for them. That's what family does, right? This is my church family. Turn to First Chronicles. Now we're going to go all the way back, Old Testament. So go back to First Chronicles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Keep going. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. 
Then you're getting close. First and Second Samuel. First and Kings. First and Chronicles. You're there. Okay. First Chronicles chapter 16. <clears throat> we read the Ark of God. And the Ark of God symbolized the presence of God. And it was with the people when the Ark of God was present in the in the temple or in the presence of these people. They knew God was there and they worshipped. They got excited. They got really excited. So David has the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Ark of God, back in their place now, and it's inside a tent, a special tent that David prepared. And so they presented these burnt offerings, and they presented these peace offerings to God. And when he finished all these sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And to every man and woman in Israel, uh, they gave a loaf of bread, they gave a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. And they feasted. And they worshipped in the presence of God with giving a sacrifice. They gave an offering. They gave a tithe. And then they ate together. They broke bread together. They prayed together. They invoked blessings and then praise to the Lord. And then with cymbals and harps and lyres and trumpets and electric guitars and basses and drum sets and whatever else we got up here, they, they brought all the musical instruments together. And they sang and they praised God. And they had a little concert time and worshipped Him. In verse 7, we read this. Let's read, pick it up in verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 12. On that day, I'm sorry, verse 7, sorry, verse 7. That day, David agreed to Asaph, his fellow Levites, the song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he's done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his miracles. Look at the person next to you and say, sing to him. Now look at another person and say, tell everyone. Follow me on this? This is what we're supposed to be doing, okay? Verse 10, exalt in his holy name. O worshipers of the Lord, rejoice. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Keep on searching. Think of the wonderful works he's done. The miracles, the judgments he's handed down. Oh, children of Israel, God's servant. Oh, descendants of Jacob, God's chosen one. The songs of thanks continued and the verses you would read on as a remembering back. This is what God did for us. This is what the Lord has provided for us. This is how God rescued us. Give thanks. And so they kept thanking God in song and praise. And they continued to praise Him. Let me ask you this. What have you witnessed in your life that you can give God credit for? Did anything happen in the last 24 hours? You can step back and say, God, God did this. And you can say, thank you, God. How about this past week or month or at least somewhere in this past year, you can reflect back and say, wow, only God. To God be the glory. Only he can take credit for this one. I have no credit whatsoever. What blessings can you name one by one that God has given you in which you just sort of step back and say, Thanks, God. What are some of those blessings right now? As I look around, there should be a few smiley faces because you're thinking of what God's blessed you with. Some of you are contemplating really hard right now, thinking, what did he do for me? And some of you are getting a little emotional because you're realizing how blessed you are. What circumstance, what situation can you look back and say, God orchestrated that one? You knew something was supposed to happen and something really horrible could have happened, but something else happened. 
And the way it all pieced together, sometimes we would say this. We'd say, it's funny how that worked out. What a coincidence. Scratch it. Did you see what God orchestrated? Did you see what God did? We can step back and say, wow, God is good. If you can't think of anything, all those things I've just challenged you with, let me help you with one more thing. How about the day you realized you were a sinner? How about the day when you're so messed up and you've made messes in your life, you figure it out, I can't clean up this mess in my life anymore. Do you ever have one of those moments where you've made a mess and it's like, I need help cleaning up this mess? Think back to where you were spiritually day one when you figured out that you were such a sinner that only the grace of God could forgive you and clean up your mess in your life. Now, I'll, I'll never forget when I was a little kid. We had rules for watching TV in our house. Anybody got rules for watching TV in your house? Go ahead, raise your hand. I want to see it. Anybody got rules for TV watching in your house? Some of you? Okay. I had them. Did anybody grow up having rules in your house for watching TV? I should ask that. Anybody? Oh, yes. Look at that. Wait, wait a minute. We had so many rules back then. What happened to all the rules? Nobody raised their hand on the first question. We sort of pitched them out the windows. I give up. <laughs> okay. Here's one of the rules, okay? Um, we were, there were certain shows we couldn't watch. Charlie's Angels was one of them, okay? <laughs> Something about three women dressed in tight clothes being violent. It just wasn't a good show according to my mom and dad. I don't know what the deal was. But, but as this little Baptist boy <laughs> sitting there thinking, I want to watch Charlie's Angels, you know? My brothers are in the living room. Mom and dad are gone. Key words, phrase, okay? My brothers are in the other living room watching. I don't know what they're watching, but it's like, I don't want to watch that. Don't they know Charlie's Angels is on? <laughs> they're teenagers. They should be ahead of this one, okay? So I went into the kitchen. We had this small TV, and I figured I could get away with watching it in there. So I went in there, turned on the TV, and I started watching Charlie's Angels. And I felt like I was getting away with a big sin here, okay? But I'm watching this, and, and in between commercials, or in between shows, there's commercials, okay? And, and we always had a candle on our kitchen table. Always had candles on our kitchen table. So I lit the candle. I don't know why, but I lit the candle, and, and commercials on, so I got a Kleenex, and I was just goofing around. And being a little, little boy, I discovered that Kleenexes are very flammable, okay? <laughs> you learn things as you grow up. And so I was playing with it, and all of a sudden, the Kleenex was like, like <gasps> And I'm thinking, I've got a burning Kleenex in my hand, and I'm thinking, what do I do? So I turned, and I went to go to the sink. As I went to the sink, part of the flaming Kleenex fell to the ground in the kitchen, okay? Got to the sink, threw it in the sink, put it out, like, <gasps> fire on the floor, and I, and like, oh, get water. You know, like, throw it on, and I threw it on and stamped on it, and, and I should have done that first, probably. Because our floor was a linoleum floor burned a hole, left a big black spot that was not replaceable in our house. Yes. Ouch followed that when mom and dad came home. <laughs> but here's the deal. It, in, in looking at that, every day, every day I came into the kitchen, there was a black spot on the floor where the linoleum had burned. Every time I went to the fridge to open up, which was quite a, quite a lot when I was a kid, okay? Uh, but when I opened up and looked, there was that black spot on the floor. Every day I was reminded of my sin, my disobedience. Every day there was something there that I couldn't erase. Every day I was reminded of my mom and dad's forgiveness, that they forgave me. And I was reminded of God's forgiveness and how he forgives me. 
I looked at that stain, and it reminded me of a lot of things, a mess I couldn't clean up, but God could. For that, I, I thank God. We have a lot to be thankful for. So if you have a hard time counting your blessings, step back to the foundational truth that God forgives you. No matter how big your mess is or how small your mess is, God looks at that and says, I forgive you. Sometimes we look at that mark and it's just a reminder and you know, maybe our guilt tries to creep up and God says, I'd love to put a rug over that and cover it up so you don't have to see it. But instead of looking down all the time, why don't you look up at me and you won't have to see that anymore. We lift our eyes to him. We are forgiven. We are free from the chains of guilt. We're delivered from the hopelessness of facing eternity in hell. God has given us that freedom and that blessing, that grace, because he forgives us. So when you stop and think about what God's done for you, step back and just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. What else can we be thankful for? I'm going to read quite a few verses. Dan's just going to put them up on the screen. I'm not going to have you turn to them, but I'm going to read them to you. I'm going to give you some other things that you can be thankful for this morning. Because as we head into a week of Thanksgiving, I really want us as a family to be thankful for one another, for what God's given us, and many other things. First one is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. God's Word says this, Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for God, for His people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. See, we shouldn't only thank the Lord for meeting our needs, giving us food, giving us shelter, giving us you know, a car, giving us you know, different people. God says, listen, listen, you also need to be thankful for friends and family that encourages you with words and knowledge. People that step into your life that are maybe leaders or maybe they're mentors or maybe they're just really good friends that inspire you to get refocused on your faith when you're drifting, Paul says, thank God for them. So if you have someone in your life right now, it's like, you know what, I was really struggling with some things, uh, but this certain person came along and they sent me a note or they called me or they just sat down and prayed with me. Have you thanked God for that person recently? If not, you should. Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do or say, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks for him, through God the Father. This passage is sort of a, serves sort of a bit as a, a litmus, uh, litmus test uh, because if you can't do something in the name of Jesus and you can't thank God for it, you probably shouldn't be doing it, right? Maybe it should be better left undone. And the heart of thanksgiving lends the correct posture for all that we do and say, I'm doing all in the name of Jesus Christ so we can give thanks for that reason. Isaiah 12, 4 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Now, we don't typically exalt, or we don't typically, I'm sorry, relate thanksgiving and evangelism in the same sentence, the same, you know, thing, right? Okay. But this verse reminds us and charges us not only to thank God for all these things and, and to call out to him and to praise him, but to tell everybody else as well. So when you get done saying, God, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for food. Thank you so much for my, my family. Thank you so much for the person who just came into my life and did something for me that I couldn't do. And then you go to somebody else and say, you know what God did for me? And you tell them, God's helped me in this way. And you give them thanks to God and you share about God at the same time. 
Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with song I will praise him. David declares praise to God through his rough experiences. Let me do this. I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but if you've had a rough week, a rough day, a rough experience, a tough circumstance take place in your life in the last week or two, okay, don't raise your hand, but silently in your heart raise your hand, okay? And David says this, in the midst of my rotten circumstances and doubt and disappointment, all the stuff that goes on, he declares God to be his one true God and praises him. The greatest praise is sometimes uttered by those who have gone through a lot. Those who have suffered much, those who have been disappointed often are sometimes ones who can shout a praise to God louder than other people can because they've seen the faithfulness of God stick with them in the midst of the, their weakness. Psalm 107, 1 and 2 says this, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Look at the person next to you and say, go tell a story. Tell them, go tell a story. Go tell a story. Do it again. Tell another person. Go tell a story. Okay, now you're all people saying like, why are we leaning over telling everybody to go tell a story? Because we don't tell enough stories of what God's doing in our lives. We don't do enough going up to people and say, hey, let me tell you what God's done here. David says, listen, give thanks to God. He's good. His love endures. Let the redeemed of the Lord, raise your hand, everybody raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Everybody, everybody raise your hand, raise your hand, yeah. okay, everybody look around, hands up, hands up, come on, come on, this is like a roller coaster, hands up, here we go, all right, okay, now hands down, let the redeemed of the Lord, that's all of you, because you all just raise your hand, right, okay, okay, I just want to make sure you understood who you are, okay, if I say let the redeemed of the Lord raise their hand, that would have been all of you, because you all raised your hand, okay, you've been redeemed by God, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and give thanks and go tell their story. Are you telling your incredible stories of God's faithfulness? Last one, Psalm 92.1 says this. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing his praises to the Most High. It's good. It's a good thing to give thanks. All right, Pastor Rex, what are you trying to say this morning? I hope it's been clear. And one is we're family. Family matters. Two, as a family, let's make sure we're giving thanks. There's so many reasons to be thankful. Let's go back to, if, are you, hopefully you're still there, First Chronicles 16, okay? First Chronicles 16, Old Testament, hopefully you're still there. I want to read this uh, last part of the passage to you, starting in verse 23. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He's most worthy of praise. He's to be revered above all gods. Gods of other nations, merely idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty are in his dwelling. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering. Come to worship him. Worship the Lord in his splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The world is firmly established and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. To all the nations, the Lord is king. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and the crops burst forth with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise before the Lord. 
for he's coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord for his good, his faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God, our salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people shouted, Amen. And praise the Lord. Sometimes, as they did here with David, he said, we just all need to stop and just remember who deserves the glory, who deserves the praise. Tell everyone, publish it, shout it. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. We are a church family, and this is, again, if this is your first Sunday to this church, welcome to the family, okay? Welcome to the family. We're not perfect. Sometimes we do things pretty good, okay? Sometimes not so much, okay? Sometimes we make people feel welcome. Sometimes we don't. But we're family. And family takes work. It doesn't come easy. So I encourage you today, family, to dig in. There's a verse on the front of your uh, bulletin. If you take a look at it. Sam, can I borrow yours real quick, please? Thank you. Take a look at it from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 to 58. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord or Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, psst, family, okay, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. As a family, always work enthusiastically. It takes work to be a family, doesn't it? You know what Thanksgiving all is? You see that A-W-E on there? All, Thanksgiving all, A, always, W, work, E, enthusiastically. It's from the verse, okay? That's Thanksgiving all. As you work together as a family, Thanksgiving becomes so much more special. Thanks, Sam. This is your family. And again, I know there are times when you may want to disclaim a family member, okay? You might look around and say, they're my family. I heard this story uh, about a, their family. Last name was Taylor's, okay? Nobody you know. But the Taylor's are proud of their family tradition, and uh, they were so excited because their ancestors had traveled to America all the way back. They, they sort of traced it back to the pilgrims. Their fathers all came on the Mayflower. They had included congressmen and successful entrepreneurs and movie stars and all kinds of people in this family tree. So they decided to research a family history uh, and do something for their children and great-children and great-grandchildren and so forth and so on. So they hired somebody to help them. They found a specialist, a, a genealogist, and a writer to help them. They put their work together, but here's the problem. They found out in their family tree there were some bad people, too. They found one person, Uncle Jefferson Taylor, who was electrocuted in the electric chair. How do you put that in your family tree book? You know, it's like, hey, it took... Whoa. So the writer said she'd handle the story tactfully. So this is what she wrote in the book, okay? This is what appears under the section about Jefferson uh, Taylor. Great Uncle Jefferson Taylor occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution. He was attached to his position by the strongest of ties, and his death came as a great shock. Okay. That's one way to sort of take the family and sort of, okay. Sometimes that's just the way we are as family, right? We, we have messy situations, but I'm so thankful for family. I'm thankful for my, my own family, my flesh and blood, and I'm thankful for my church family. I hope you are too. And as a family, we give thanks. So this week, whether it's with your church family 
or other family members of your flesh and blood, make sure you take time and give God thanks. Work together as this. We are the body of Christ. And I'm going to ask uh, Ben to come on up. Uh, and there's some scripture from 1 Corinthians that Paul talks about. Paul says this, The human body has many parts, but the parts make up what? One whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some Gentiles, some slaves, some free. But we've all been baptized into one spirit, one Lord, the same spirit. Yes, the body has different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make that body any less important. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part right where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. As you read through that scripture of Paul, and I just sort of think about this, he wrapped up by saying, this makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So as Paul wrote some letters to the first churches, he reminded the Christians this, you're a family, you're a body. All these different parts come together as family to make one body. And he says this, there's, there's, there's no competition. There's only complementing and completion. Sometimes we compete with one another. Forget no, it's not to compete, but it's to complete one another as a body. So part of the beauty is that we are very different from each other. And we look around and say, boy, you're different. Yeah, that's right. Just like every body part is unique. And God's brought us together as one body, one family, to work together, to serve together, to give together. Today's Thanksgiving offering. As you gave today a Thanksgiving offering, the church gives back what is God's. As we pray together, we all bow as a body to pray before our God. As we sing together, we all open our mouths and sing and open our hearts and worship as a body. We do it differently because you're all unique, but we do it as one because we're a family. Would you please stand with me as we pray? As a body, as a family, we're going to show our thanks to God as we sing. Again, this is, this is my church family. And uh, so we serve together. We love together. We give thanks together. And for that, we have much. As you look around, we have much to be thankful for, especially God who saves us from our sins. Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome God. I thank you, Lord, for family. I thank you for the moments in our lives when we sit in there and think, okay, what about this family member? Or, hey, I, there's one thing about our family I don't like. Well, that's, that's part of family. But God, as a spiritual family, as brothers and sisters in you, you unite us as one, our Abba Father, the one we worship and adore. And we have to, we must step back and give you thanks for all that you've given us. A lot of work goes into a Thanksgiving feast and a lot of work goes into maybe a Sunday morning service. As a church body, we come and we work together. But after we've gathered to do all that work and we're here together, we give you thanks. So God, I pray this is going to just be an incredible week of this church family stepping back and just being really thankful.
and just expressing our thanksgiving to you, to others. As we tell everyone, as we publish your good deeds, give us thankful hearts, Lord. Give us thankful hearts. We love you, God, and we worship you now in song. In the name we pray, amen.